Hello, and on this episode of Let's Try Something Podcast, we're going to be doing a new series called The Check, where I check to see if what I actually said in my episode of The Whole Thought is correct by talking to people that actually know what the fuck they're talking about. So, let's get into it. Hello! For some reason, I felt the need to put a disclaimer on this podcast, because I'm about to share some opinionated content that may conflict with your opinions. I really wish I cared, but I don't. I'm just trying to share my opinion on the internet, and I'm not trying to offend you. So if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Thank you. Hey, I actually forgot to bring my podcasting mic to my interview with the psychology teacher. So I apologize for the bad audio, but I hope you guys can still listen to it and it should be fine. So sorry about that. Listen on. Hello. On this episode of the Let's Try Something podcast, I'm here with my school's psychology teacher um, to talk about some of the stuff that I said in my last podcast. Um, so I just wanted to get sort of your thoughts on, um, the informational revolution and how it relates to this concept of auto fear that I brought up in my last podcast. Yeah. So the idea of auto fear is actually really normal. Um, it's very much part of human nature for humans to fear the unknown, whatever that might be. Um, we... Some people deal with it a little bit better than others who are, you know, maybe willing to go out and try new things. But no matter what, all humans fear on some level the stuff that we don't know. Um, And that can include, like, this informational era, this informational revolution. Um, People start with confusion and questions about the unknown. And like I said, some people are much more willing to try out the unknown whereas others are kind of going to be stuck back in their fear, unwilling to try something new or understand the new stuff. Okay. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, Just different people have different mindsets, right? Exactly. Towards sort of this new information. Um, And I wanted to sort of get your opinion on video games, and I know that's a very specific question, so if you don't have an extremely clear answer, that's fine. Um, but I wanted to sort of see if you have the same opinions on me on if video games sort of have this auto-fear piece or if they are actually something that a lot of people should fear. Yeah, so um, I sort of grew up with video games. I was born in the 90s, and so video games, to some extent, have been a part of my life. Um since the beginning. I never really played video games very much, but it was sort of just always around. So I think people from my generation then of course moving forward are a lot less fearful of that new type of media because it almost wasn't unknown to us. Like it was just part of, oh yeah, that's part of life. That's what the older kids do. And then eventually that's kind of what we did. But for folks who are maybe a little older or didn't have kids, something like that, I think that there is this fear or maybe even confusion that sort of overlaps each other. 
um, fear and confusion about, like you said, this new media, what is the purpose of it? What um, can this provide for kids who are playing it? And then eventually adults who are also playing video games. Um, I think too, there's this big fear, and I'm not sure if you've talked about this before, but this fear of can video games, especially violence in video games, be influential on um, children and teenagers and what can that do? Um, and I think a lot of that possible confusion and fear of the unknown gets riled up, especially when um, people would go and like read articles about the possible effects of video games that would then just make them fear even more. Yeah, um, and I actually in my last podcast, um, I talked about, you know, I did some research and I found some newspaper articles from, you know, the 1990s when the first sort of Mario Brothers were coming out. And they were actually saying that those video games were causing violence because people were, you know, raging, getting very angry at the video game. And so that actually makes a lot of sense for you to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, if we look at the psychology of um, not only fear, but then also learning and how children learn certain violent behaviors, let's say, there is a connection to viewing violence and then children acting out violence. Like if we look at the Bobo doll experiments um, where children who are really young would watch an adult basically beat up a blow up doll um, and then the children were left alone in the room with the doll, they would also end up beating up the doll because they saw an adult do it. Um, I think from there, from that experiment, a lot of people then got nervous about, well, if my children see violence on TV, and then eventually if my children see violence on video games, is that gonna make them violent? So there is kind of a kernel of maybe truth in um, questioning and the purpose of video games, especially with little kids versus like an adult. Um, But in the end, kind of coming back to fear, I think it would circle back to just doing your own research and again understanding what video games are meant for what age levels and you know if it is parents being aware of what their kids are playing um, rather than just blindly throwing someone in front of a TV Um, but if we're looking at I guess fear itself with that concept I think that it can just come back to doing your own research and knowing that just because kids see some violence, again, on TV or the internet or violent uh, video games, doesn't have to mean that a kid will be violent. Um, There's a lot of other factors beyond that. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to thank you very much for your time. Um, And yeah, that, that was great. That was a lot of really good information. Thanks. All right, so I decided to get a second opinion on top of my uh, psychology teacher segment by getting an appointment with the school psychologist. Um, And I believe you have a PhD in psychology, correct? Um, Yeah, it's actually a PsyD, which is a little different, but it's kind of the same. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, So yeah, we're going to sort of, I guess, go through almost the same questions and sort of 
see if your opinions differ from the teacher or not. Okay. Um, so the first thing that was sort of on my list was um, there's sort of this idea of auto fear. Um, and I know I've brought that up with you in the past. Um, and I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on how that's going to affect sort of this informational revolution that we're in. Um, and yeah. Okay, that, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I feel like you kind of were explaining auto fear to me. And I do think that in general, people are kind of conditioned to fear things that they don't know about or understand um, very well. And it's just um, kind of something maybe evolutionally that used to keep people safe. And I feel like you've kind of touched on that too, but um, it can be a positive and a negative for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually brought up in my last podcast and I wanted to sort of see if you agreed with this. Mm-hmm. Um, Essentially, I said um, humans won't be advancing as much as they have been if they keep having this auto fear, because there are going to be so many opinions and so many sort of um, conflicting ideas that people are going to start to fear disagreeing with people and people are going to fear sort of this new information that they don't understand yet. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I I actually do agree with that. I think with... um, everything being so readily available online nowadays and just so easy to access. I feel like people just are kind of afraid of sometimes looking into it or kind of bringing up things with other people, not knowing if they're going to see eye to eye on those things. And a lot of the things you find online are not true, but some people think that they're true because they're there. Um, So I I do agree with you on that piece. And I think it um, is kind of, hinders people not to do their research and to really look into things like that and get like all areas of the facts. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. And then sort of another piece that I guess I thought was interesting, it came up in my English class today um, and we were sort of researching different articles to make this letter on, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, I chose social media and the teen brain as one of my topics. Um, And I found this article from Stanford University, and you would think, oh, such a trusted source, right? But then I looked into sort of who that article was paid for and the authors, and it turns out that article was actually paid for by a pharmaceutical company that was actually making er, uh, anxiety medications at the time. Mm -hmm. I can't speak. Um, So, yeah, I just think it's interesting how people sort of view all of these sources as such good sources like Fox News, CNN, all these different things. And a lot of them just aren't, right? Yep. I love that you picked that topic because that's something of interest to me in particular these days. Um, But yeah, exactly. And that's one of the first things they teach you in school too when you're doing research. It's like when you're finding articles that you think seem reputable, they're from companies that like make the medications or have schools. And if you have to look into that, who paid for it? And why are they doing the study? Because some of these are biased articles still. And and you wouldn't know if you didn't do that deeper dive to look into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And my dad has actually informed me of some stuff that's going on um, actually with the the Russians. And I know this sounds absolutely crazy, Um, but they have actually been, or this is a rumor. I don't know that this is entirely true. I'm getting this from my dad. but they've actually been saying that they've been faking medical studies and things like that 
to sort of try to divide the U.S. population and cause like another civil war, essentially, to sort of destabilize us um, because that's what they want. They want to be able to sort of take over our country. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I do think there's a lot of theories out there about just how things have been in this country lately in general. I mean, like with politics, with the coronavirus, with so many things, I feel like you're starting to see people really be on opposite ends of the spectrum with a lot of things. And it's definitely causing a lot of discord. And I feel like people are just trying to figure out, you know, where it's coming from. And is, is someone interfering with data? I mean, that was part of the election too, I remember, yeah. of just people kind of interfering with our election and with and different things. And that's one of those things that it is like so hard to find the truth on though, right? Because like, how would, would you find that out? I don't even know where you would start, but I definitely see like why that's kind of become more popular because people are trying to figure it out, like what's going on and why is this happening? Yeah. And I think that something is that has been really underrated sort of militarily wise um, has been informational warfare. Um, and I think that the U.S. in particular has been taking that particularly um, sort of as a joke, mm -hmm. right? Where they're like, oh, yeah, there's no way all these countries are influencing us. And then you really take a look and you go, wait, wait a second. They, they might be, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just crazy stuff out there, right? <laughs> it really is. It gets every, crazier every day. <laughs> yeah. The more valuable your country is, the more people are going to try to mess with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sort of transitioning here into sort of a second topic, and I understand that you sort of informed me beforehand that you might not know the most about this topic, um, but I sort of wanted to get your opinions on like auto fear and video games, right? Um, so I feel like, yeah, I don't know, I've never been a huge gamer, but I do feel like a lot of the older generations that didn't grow up with that type of technology and the same could be said for even just the internet in general, um, probably have more of a negative outlook about those things and maybe what it's doing to kids, but just um, probably do have just a fear because they just aren't comfortable with it and don't know it and don't know how to use it. And I think um, that's kind of how I see that, but I don't know, what were your thoughts on that? Um, I just think that it's this sort of revolutionary way of media, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to quote my last podcast on this. Um, it, so if we go back to like the origin of media, right? So like mm -hmm. I'm talking like ancient hieroglyphs in ancient Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's not going to hurt you. It's literally carvings on a wall. Mm -hmm. A book is just words on a page. A show is just some people trying to entertain you. Whereas video games are sort of trying to influence you and give you a message mm -hmm. and sort of make you, you know, fear different things in these games and sort of feel different ways about these things and be suspicious. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people take that in the wrong way. Um, mm -hmm. Because I, I sort of feel like, um, again, I'm going to quote my last podcast. Um, I think that by the year 2035, they are going to be diagnosing people with Alzheimer's and dementia with video games to keep their minds sort of in mm. in motion all the time and keep them semi-stimulated. Because you don't have to remember a whole lot to be able to play a video game. And you don't have to sort of um, have this super high functioning mental state to be able to do that, but it also can improve your mental state. Mm -hmm. um, it can actually improve a lot of different things. Um, that includes reaction time, grayscaling, mm -hmm. um, and 
pattern analysis, which can be extremely helpful in the real world as far as I've seen. So, yeah. yeah, I think it definitely, there's a lot of pros to learning those skills. And I think maybe you even touched on kind of like the violence and how people think that that influences kids a little bit. And I, I kind of would disagree that it's kind of um, a bigger issue if, if you're being influenced by those things and maybe there's some more mental health stuff that needs to be addressed. Um, but yeah. I think it is great that they're, I mean, things have just come so far and like the technology keeps advancing. So yeah, you never know like how helpful these things can be in the future. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to, I might quote uh, a segment from what the psychology teacher was actually talking to me mm -hmm. about um, and basically say, yeah, regulate what your kids are watching and mm -hmm. playing, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, it's the same thing as if you were to show your kid, you know, a movie like Black Hawk Down, mm -hmm. um, where it's like, dude, your five-year-old should not be watching a movie where people are being shot. It really shouldn't. It's the same idea with don't let your five-year-old kid play Call of Duty, yeah. right? And so I think that there are a lot of bigger sort of problems going on mm -hmm. that people are covering up with, oh, it's just video games causing violence because it's this new thing and they can yeah. doubt on it all they want, right? Absolutely. It's more of an access thing and the parents should monitor kind of depending on age and things like that for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I don't seem to understand why people blame things um, sort of on, um, I guess, the easy thing to blame, right? Because at least for me, I feel wrong doing that. I feel wrong blaming something on something where I know it probably isn't that, but it's just the easy way out, right? And I I just don't, I don't get it, right? Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that's not uncommon. I think for people, it, it's easier to blame an outside entity because really looking at yourself and introspecting and looking at what you might be doing wrong or need to fix or work on, like that's harder work because it requires you to change your thoughts and actions and the way you do things. And for a lot of people, like maybe they don't want to do that work. Maybe it's easier to say it's this other thing's fault and then they can kind of take the responsibility off of themselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of people are looking for scapegoats mm -hmm. um, because yet again, this auto fear piece, they don't, they don't understand these things. Right. And so they go for the easy thing to blame because they don't actually want to put in the effort to understand why these things are happening. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that is also something that Joe Rogan in a lot of his podcasts, I don't know if you've listened to any of those. Wrestler person? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I know who that is. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, where he touches on the fact that like people don't want to look at themselves. They want to look at everything else because that's what humans were sort of made to do. In the caveman days, we we didn't have time to look at ourselves. We had to survive, right? Mm -hmm. And if something went wrong, we had to blame it on something else because if we felt bad about each other or if we felt bad about ourselves, nobody cared, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that that's, I guess, another big factor. And I would argue that technology makes that, social media specifically, makes that harder too because when you're constantly looking at other people's lives all the time and comparing and it just makes it that much easier to kind of judge other people and look at yourself a little bit less, I think. Oh, absolutely. Um, and especially with all of the judgment that's going on on social media where people are sort of hiding behind screens going, oh, I can say this on the internet, but if I met this person face to face, I would never say these things, mm -hmm. right? 
And I think that that that's a big factor into this because, you know, social media doesn't have any massive repercussions unless you really say something like massively fucked up, but you know, um, and so I think that some of that needs to change. Um, and I actually have been seeing a little bit of change, um, when, and I know that this is very opinionated, um, when sort of Trump got banned from Twitter, Mm -hmm. um, because he was saying things that were really not okay and like cause or sort of backhandedly causing riots. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I think that that, that's sort of a step in the right direction, Mm -hmm. but I also think that there needs to be a lot more steps in that direction. Right. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then I sure, I sort of wanted to, um, I guess, get your opinion on anti-vaxxers as well, um, as sort of not an ending topic, um, but I guess something for us to go off of for the rest of the podcast. Um, and I guess I wanted to get your opinions on why anti-vaxxers don't want to vaccinate. And I'm not going to sort of give my opinion first. Um, so take it away. Um, I think it, it really goes back to kind of our first conversation of just kind of the influx of information out there. I think that depending upon what news you watch, what articles you choose to read, like you can fight either side depending upon what you're looking for, right? Like you can look for things that say it's dangerous and then you can have that support your your theories or you can look for things that say it's perfectly fine and then use that to support your theories. Um, So yeah, I feel like those people that choose not to are really just kind of following the more negative stuff in the media probably and watching that those things on the news and it probably scares them because that's the information that they're they're seeking out and they're finding yeah um because there are a lot of rumors out there that are like it's going to change your dna that's mm-hmm. not what it does that's not what it does um and i'm sure you understand all of this because the school has probably informed all of you on how the covid vaccine works because mm-hmm you need to be able to explain to students that are confused, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy to think that, you know, there can be thousands upon thousands of sources that are sort of like, hey, yeah, this is good. This is gonna sort of prevent people from dying from this massive virus that has literally spread globally. But then the one source that says, it's gonna change your DNA, it's gonna change, you know, your mind, it's gonna, you know, inject a tracker into you. Um, and people believe that over the literal thousands of other articles. And I'm not saying that all of the articles supporting the vaccine are 100% correct, mm-hmm. um, because some of them truly aren't. Um, but I think yet again, it just comes down to doing your research on the stuff that you read, mm-hmm. because I think that there is a lot of very corrupt information out there. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then another sort of, I guess, example that I put in my podcast of auto fear mm-hmm. um, was aliens, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds super abstract and out there, um, but you have to understand where, you know, if we accidentally met aliens by going to sort of this other solar system or whatever, mm-hmm. landed on a planet and we saw aliens, we would be scared out of our minds. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine taking, a, say, a 10-light-year journey over three generations of people who have been living on this spaceship, right, and then landing on an alien planet, not realizing there are life forms there until you arrive? 
that would be scary. <laughs> but then we also have the fear that they're going to come to us. Where if we put ourselves in their shoes, we would go, man, if we were those aliens, we would not be, you know, aggressive towards this species that outnumbers us 10 to 1. Yeah. We just wouldn't. And so I think that that's sort of a great example of sort of how that works. Um, and yeah. It is. It's very interesting to think about because, I mean, with the whole wide world out there, you just, you don't know. And it's one of those things too. It's like, you never know like what exists until you see it or it finds you. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know that it's something really to fear, especially when there's not any concrete really stuff going on with it right now. But it's one of those things that like, once again, you kind of fear the unknown, right? And you fear what you don't know about and what you can't control. Yeah. Um, and I actually think that that's what some of the more brilliant people mm -hmm. um, in the species of humans have done is they've sort of stripped themselves of that fear mm -hmm. um, of this new information and gone, wait, no, this isn't something to fear. I need to embrace this. I need to learn about this and I need to try to contribute. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that is sort of what the greats do. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. I agree. I think you have to open yourself up to new experiences and to grow. That's how you evolve in life and, you know, yeah, get things done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, thank you very much for your time again. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I went over the, all the topics that I you needed did, to do. Yeah. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. It was yeah. super fun. Cool. My first podcast. Yeah. Uh, I might be recruiting you for more. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah. So I guess thank you listeners for uh, listening to the Let's Try Something podcast. Um, and just understand that this podcast was entirely not scripted. Um, and yeah, thank you. <laughs>